I got it. We'll talk more about the loss to the Nets because who can't get enough of where the Nuggets are at right now? I have some thoughts on adversity and the Denver Nuggets. We will talk about the bench issue. We'll also preview the Raptors game. Lots to get to on Locked On Nuggets. (laughs) You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The new intro lasts just like a second too long, and it bothers me. I'm always like, it used to be like immediately after, and now there's like a second, and I'm always like waiting for Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your week. Appreciate you guys making this your first listen. We appreciate you guys being part of the community and the good times and the bad as I would say, these are some of the bad times, and we'll talk about why that matters a little bit later on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A app. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares. He's director of content for DMVR. He check out the pre- and post-game show before every Nuggets game, rain, shine, or win or lose. Check out the Daily Show over there with lots of great content, including their conversation with Vlaco Chanchar last week, which everyone raved about. Uh, all right, so on today's show, we're going to talk uh, – Adam thought it would be good for me to give my thoughts on the Raptors game and all the – or not the Raptors game, the Nets game and all the um, – uh, What's the word for it? Disaster that unfolded in that game. And then the second segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the bench. I have a key question that I think we need to ask about it. And then the third segment, I have some thoughts on adversity that I want to get to before we preview the Raptors game. Glad to have you guys in. All right. So my thoughts on the Nets game, where would you like me to start? There's so much to get to. The benching of a franchise player on a max contract, the injury to a guy coming off an ACL injury, the third loss in a row, matching their longest losing streak of the season, the end, the oh, end uh, of play sequence, the bench being horrible. Where do you want to start, buddy? We've got so much good stuff to get to today. Um, Let's start with the Michael Porter one, because I think to me it's the most interesting. Yeah. And I actually, and I suspect you might have a different opinion on it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. So... My, this is one of those things where on Twitter I get like very particular in my criticisms where it's like I want to be precise and accurate. And what happens is in doing so, I validate an opinion that is not necessarily the one I share. And like that's a bad thing that I do. I should just be let, let it go because like I didn't even see it to be. Yeah. Honest. So my pushback was like I specifically pushed back to Brendan on DMVR because. MBJ was phenomenal in the first half. What a great performance. Absolutely incredible. I do personally think, and you've done a rewatch, I haven't. So, like, I could be off. I think he was by degree worse than everybody else in the third. Everybody Mm. was bad. That's how much worse that he was. The problem is, is if I say that, it justifies Malone benching him. That's not true. Like, MPJ has been there for you this season. He's done everything that you've talked about how he's done everything that you've asked him to. You've talked about it. You've said it. You've said, I put my arm around him and said how proud I was of him. And that's why I benched you when you had a bad quarter. I will also say that I agree with Jeff Morton on this. And this is, um, I'm going to say this. 
and there's going to be people that are going to like like their reaction will be anger towards Malone and I understand that. If this is a fireable offense to you, that is your prerogative to make as a fan. I think he forgot. <laughs> I legitimately think he forgot. <laughs> Look, I, I actually think that it's more likely or as likely as some of this other stuff that it, and there's a real criticism actually in this, Matt, or a real concern, I should say, more. And that is that I think Michael Malone is among, if not the single most emotional coach in the NBA, meaning he's the most like he's he's feeling yeah. intense and zeroed in and living in this like exact moment. Um, and I think that there was a I've got my defenders out there. You know, I got my guys out there that can guard and we're making a run and kind of all other context was just kind of moot uh, to him in that very moment. But it hints to me at a concern that I think he's going to have in a play. I mean, to me, this was the game that showed we keep wondering, is Malone going to trust MPJ in those moments? It's not even the playoffs yet. And the answer was no. Yeah. Like Brian mentioned this, and I don't think it's been this season, Brian, but we've mentioned this before. This is like the third or fourth game that you or Adam has said that y'all thought Malone forgot someone was on the bench. Not anything. Yeah. Like, I, I do think, like, I think he gets locked in. I think the only person he will remember to get into the game is you Jokic. Can't forget, you can't forget Jokic. I mean, that's impossible. Right. Probably Aaron, but, like, that's about it. So, I, I genuinely think it was, like, he's watching the game and he's watching the matchups and he's thinking, like, I need this and I need this and I need this. Now, it's telling that at no point was he, like, hmm, I should get my 6'10", 50, 40, 90 shooter on the floor. That's a problem, right? Until very late in the game. Um it was like, it, I do believe it. Like, I honestly think it's more likely that he just got wrapped up and forgot. And your like idea of like, this can't happen in the play. Like, you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of where I've gotten to, and I've said this kind of like in, in preseason, I said this in, in radio hits and on the show. And I've been, cons I'm trying to be as consistent with it as possible. I'm not going to move off of it. If they don't make the finals, Malone's got to be gone. The finals is such a hard bar. I I just feel like I don't know if those are the circumstances. Not gotta not. be. I want to be. I need to take that back. I'm sorry. Not gotta be. Gonna be. There's two different things there. Okay. I don't think he has to be gone. I think he will be. Um, if you lose in six to Phoenix, could he hang on? Sure. Right. The problem is if you look at the roster, what is the easiest thing to try and adjust to get you over the hump? The coach. I mean, of course. So that's my thing. Is like, and so, and if it, if it does, let me put it this way: if that were to happen, everyone will be like, "Well, of course they had to look at this, this thing, and this thing, and this thing, and this thing." Even though it's like, look, it's more about like I've just kind of come to the conclusion of like focusing on the broader stuff. Um, Dylan has a good point, or David has a good point here. He says, "Mount Lone reminds me of a gambler who goes on full tilt sometimes when things aren't going well." I mean, it's a little insulting, but I do think it is a flaw of malone is that i do think he has some panic to him like he he gets i think a little wrapped up again in that emotion of it and to me that was what that game was and the playoffs i think my overarching take so i've, I've said this i think on yesterday's show or i've said this before but my overarching take of this losing streak is that the nuggets are tasting i think a little bit of what the pressure is going to be in a month yeah it's going to be unlike anything they felt they felt the pressure of oh my god we're going to lose and you could argue that down three games to one against utah there was a pressure there because that one felt like a watershed if you lose in five games to the utah jazz maybe changes come but this is a different level of pressure and i think that michael malone and the team collectively but michael malone in particular is going to have to figure it out before they get there 
I want to push back on the panic thing. I don't think it's a, I think that you're hint, you're like, you're in the, the zone of it. I don't think you win coming back three, one, if you panic. I mean, you might not fall down three, one, if you, don't, if you don't panic though, I think there's a little bit of this going both ways. Um, I will also say that the other side of this is way worse. I know a lot of coaches, especially former players are like, eh, we're fine. Not worried. Cool as a cucumber. And you're like, you need to have a little bit of urgency. Uh, you got swept. You're out. Like that happens. Like there's right. a balance to walk here. You have to have a little bit of urgency. Um, I don't think that it's panic. I'll just say that. I don't think it's panic. I think it's, I, I think he does get tunnel vision out of his frustration. Cause he's like, why can't you guys just do the thing? Like he, he you can watch him on the sidelines and tell that he's so frustrated at the lack of execution. Right. So, and I think that that tends to tunnel vision him, but that's different than panic which is an entirely different kind of mechanism. And as someone that panics regularly, I understand panic like very well. Um, so look, the Jamal stuff, I don't think I'm not as worried about the Jamal stuff as, as much as, as most are. I think it's normal for him to have knee soreness a year removed from surgery after the kind of games and minutes. He's clearly just at this game. He tried, like, this is a good example of like the, everything has gone so well for him. And he's made all these different steps right along the way this was like a little bit of a setback but you're gonna have those where it's like hey you have to learn like when your body's feeling like this you're gonna have to sit yeah maybe maybe that is the lesson um i'm more worried about murray since returning from the the big injury than i am for him exiting for this most recent one okay, I'm just, just because i'm sorry malone is a reason they were they were down three one he's also a reason they came back and won the series you don't get to choose you don't get to pick and choose that he was the reason they went down 3-1, and he's not the reason they won. You don't get to pick. You have to take both. Go ahead. Um, Murray, since coming back from the injury before the All-Star break, to me, his three-point shot is what has normalized some of his numbers. But his scoring from two has not been very good, and his ability to beat guys off the dribble hasn't been good. And I don't know if that is because he's injured or because it takes time when you sit for three weeks, it takes time to get back into that shape. I don't know, but either way, I just look at four weeks till the playoff start. He needs to be his quickest self and he's not that right now. So whatever level concern is warranted for those, all those factors um, I think is appropriate. Um, you did the rewatch. Can I ask you a tactical question? Sure. When they went small, did the Nuggets put them in pick and roll much? Well, what happened with – they did. They put they put Jokic at every spot on the court. They put him at the nail. They put him in pick and roll, and they put him on the block. What happened in those moments is that the team was putting a second and sometimes third body on Jokic, shrinking the floor, but then Denver was – and so Jokic, when he did catch it, just passed it straight back because it wasn't one of those where he could catch it, hold. He had to get it right back, and you have to rotate it, and Denver was so slow on those rotations. And then also what happened was – when they overloaded pre-pass, Denver's four other players just sat there. Ah. They, there was no like, hey, we now have a four-on-two opportunity or whatever. Let's flash and attack quickly off of this. It was just a very lazy one. And this is why I said if I were ranking the offenders in that third quarter, Aaron Gordon might have been number one, yeah. not necessarily because of what he did, but what he didn't do. And they basically elected to not guard Aaron Gordon in that quarter, and he had no impact on it. Uh, would you say that that activity is – atypical of what the Nuggets yes. in this season yes yeah but it, but the defense was all here here's the thing i don't know because i agree i this is actually my takeaways i think aaron gordon is also really banged up and not his normal self right now yeah. and he was the one that needed to punish it the most the only thing is 
I wonder if he reads that because it was a atypical defense as well. Mm -hmm. And this is why in the playoffs, Aaron Gordon, I think, has really solved how to play around Nikola in most circumstances. Is a team going to throw something out that confuses him? And he's the guy that needs to like, hey, I'm the release valve on all of this. So, again, I think it's likely that he is just beat up and emotionally and physically drained because he looks it. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk. There's a lot of questions about the bench. We'll get to those questions. We'll talk about uh, all of those type of things. Uh, I have um, a lot of thoughts on, on all that stuff. We'll get to that after we check in with Ibotta. Ibotta for today. Groceries, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself. You know you're already doing it, so why not get some cash back with it with Ibotta. We're always throwing money at something like kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back at every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user, user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. I just found out that there's an Uchi in Denver. This is extremely exciting to me. It's the best meal I've ever had in Austin. Like, very excited for this. Uchi? I'm use Ibotta to go have myself a trip to Uchi. A typical basket of groceries is over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta, or even more, depending on how much you use it. They give you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and making us your first listen. All right, Adam. Um, the three-guard lineup's got to go. I don't, like... Sometimes we will ask questions subtly. I feel like we're reproaching, like, hey, so, like... What's the deal with the three guard lineups? Like, I don't know. Like, if I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to have to do like a, hey, so I'm sure you're aware that the lineups with three guards are like a minus 700 in net rating. You would know that being the coach and all. But like, that's where I think we're at. Um, that's got to go. Um, but again, well, why I, would you play him? Like, Malone knows the numbers. I'm always blown away at how much Malone is able to cite a number. He'll always say, I think it's this, and it's always exactly that. He knows the numbers. But the, he's liked three guard lineup since he's been here. What? Why do you think it is? I have no idea because it's counter programming to everything he believes in. That's <laughs> so what I mean. His physicality defense. But it's. I mean, I think he hates mistakes more than he likes good plays in a lot of ways. And I want to. Here's what I'm hinting at: We all have our lenses that we view the game through. And those lenses are very helpful most of the time, but they do provide biases and blind spots. I just wonder if that's one of his being a point guard. You know, he just likes to have his guards out there. But for whatever reason, the numbers bear it out. The eye test bears it out. It's been horrible. 
Um, and and yet he continues to go back to him over and over again. And by the way, he's got a player in Christian Brown that you think he would love. You think this would be a Malone guy, defensive, tough, physical guy. Like that's what gets replaced in honor of three guards. This is where, like, in the absence of a of a rational explanation, this is where like fans and I think people that cover the team go in, in different directions. And some of the, the people that cover the team go the same direction as the fans, and that's okay too. Like the fans will go to that's because Malone's an idiot. Um, and then like the other route is for me, it's like, okay, if there's an, if there is an unexplained decision, my brain with the way that I'm wired from covering the league is there's got to be a political reason that it's political. Yeah. That it's either the veterans are like, we want this guy on the floor or the front office is like, Hey, we really want to see if this if this can work so we can resign him, or we're trying to get in good with this guy's agent, so we really need to make sure that he's happy, or some other factor instead of the simple trying to win basketball games. Does that make sense? Like it's entirely possible that Mullen's just doing this because he's stubborn and wrong. Like that's possible. Like I my thing is in the absence of like a rational decision, I can't explain it any other way. Right. Like, I don't know. And I mean, I can get to the point of, look, you need a ball handler on the floor, but I'm like, you have one. If you have Bruce Brown and you have Christian Brown, you stagger KCP and you have Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Christian, sorry, Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown. That one, two, three makes sense. You slide in Vlaco and either Jeff or Thomas Bryant and you're set there. Now, those might be bad, too. Every time that we think that there's a solution, it winds up not being so. And like. I need to stress this, that the Christian Brown positiveness was very much linked with that stretch where he played with Jokic, where this is kind of my thing where I'm like, I think Christian's good and needs to play. I think Christian makes them better. Christian's not going to get them above water without Joker because no one can. Right. That's that's I mean, no, there's no question. There's no question about it. In fact, this is part of what bothered me about the MPJ thing is that bench didn't even play good the whole time. They played good once you checked back into the game. You know, they basically the Jokic stagger is the only one that worked, you know, and they had to play him 39 minutes in order to stagger him with that group. So I'm with you that I don't think it's a solve for the, the bench full stop. Um, what <laughs> what are your overarching points though? Here, I mean, I don't the Malone political part of it, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I doubt it. I doubt that that it carries that much weight into it. I, <laughs> I, 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 that one just seems so far, to, far for me. I mean, we've seen this before, right? Where like there's always like reasons that guys play. Right. But Bones played. What? But Bones played. Right. Because I think they were trying to like keep him connected. I think they were like trying to keep him in the fold because they like believed a little bit in the future. You know, or at least trying yeah. to re- really keep his, his trade value up. So like you're of the opinion, that, like, and it's okay. Like, again, he could just be stubborn and wrong. I could be off on this. There could be no reason. And Malone can just be like, no, no, I just like this lineup. And that's dumb. I, like, me, I think my critique again we're doing the pop psychology thing here who knows and Malone has I, I, I didn't think Malone had a very thoughtful response to why did Michael Porter get benched in that game I it, it, which is why it, I think he probably forgot yeah it might it honestly might have been as simple as that um but I do think my thing is I think he has principle that like these are my defensive guys these are my defensive mistake guys and going to guards especially veteran guards it's like well they've been in the league they're not going to make mistakes they might not be effective, but they're not mistake guys. And I, I just think that he, that that is where the influence on in his decision making comes from. 
I just I don't know how you can watch watch Reggie Jackson and be like, yeah, that's a mistake free player. Right. But he's a veteran player. True. Uh resident doomer Danny says, I think Malone wrongly sees Bruce Brown as some sort of wing. I, I agree. Danny's been wild and lately, but he's right on that point. That like Bruce Brown's not a wing, he's a guard. Well, the Nuggets part of this is also that the Nuggets just don't have wings. And mm-hmm. it's one of the it's one of the flaws in their roster. And the Brooklyn Nets have a lot of wings. Have have all of them. All, all wings. So it was a very all wings versus no wings you know, matchup. Um, I think by the way, Denver probably wins this game if Dorian Finney Smith goes four of seven from three. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to look at this game and say as bad as Denver was, they're in a lull and Murray got hurt and these different reasons. Denver still had a very good chance at winning this game ugly. Yeah. Were you a little bit more encouraged on rewatch? Um <laughs> I mean the, here's the thing. I don't think they're as bad as they played in that third quarter, which is where they lost. Yeah. But I will say they were also bad in the second quarter with the be- the bench was also horrible in that first stint. And the starters were unbelievable in their second stint. When they, they had were. to come back in, so they build a lead, the bench collapses and then gets far behind, and the starters came back in and just steamrolled them to end the half. Yeah. So the starters had three, I think, good stints in this. The first quarter, the second quarter, and the close of the fourth quarter, which was more of a blended lineup. But nonetheless, they had three out of four good ones. They had one really, really bad one that was accentuated by a continued bench bad run. Um, Malone played Jeff Green, who averages 2.6 rebounds per game at backup center. Brian says, I think it really is. He has his guys and he's going to ride or die with them. Brian Thomas Bryant was not playable because it was a hyper switchable small ball lineup. So they excise Thomas Bryant. Zeke Naji is not available with injury. There is no other backup center. Yeah, well, yes and no, though. I'm going to push back on this one thing. I and Malone wasn't going to get there last night, but I do think when we think about solutions going forward, AG. AG or MPJ at four. I just Michael Porter is actually best as a power forward. And he never plays that spot. He's be, especially when you're talking about a team that's going all wings. It's not like he's getting beat up by some backup power forward on the block. He's going to be going up against Mikael Bridges and these other Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. So to me, him as a four maybe makes either Vladko or Jeff a little bit more effective as a center. Yeah, I think with where, but here's the thing: is if you're if like your perception is Aaron's banged up. You can't play him at center right now. Then, but then tra- play Jeff there or Vladko, and then put Michael Porter at the power forward spot. I mean, yeah. here's the other thing about Michael Porter in this last game: he po- had another poster back-to-back games now with a poster dunk. He couldn't dunk for the first month of the season. He has become a significantly better off the dribble scorer and just creator. He's not still not like you're going to carry an entire unit that way. But I do wonder what he would look like. What would he have looked like yesterday? 23 points in 23 minutes. If he would have gone in and in that moment where it's like, hey, we need a little creation from you as well. Maybe it would have failed. Here's the other part about benching Porter. If you put him out there and he gets cooked in the fourth quarter and Nuggets lose by 12, that gives you a very important data point and also a, a, a ground to stand on when it comes to playoffs to say, hey, we need this from you. This is what we're going to do. Instead, I don't feel like we have that data point. Yeah. I would have loved to have had it. All the yeah. data point we have is that Michael Malone is going to have a quick a quick pull for him in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think I agree with all with all of that. I think I, I agree with, with all of that in its entirety. I think like it was a mistake. I don't have, like there's no there's no way to rationalize not playing MPJ. I think outsiders would be like, well, he's worried about defense. Have you looked at the, what this team's defending like right now? Um, Michael Porter, the Nuggets had a 114 yeah. defensive rating when he was on the court, which was, yeah. I think, second best behind Christian Brown, who I guess he's not going to. No coach, I think, is going to pay attention to that in game. I think well, that you, that's can't, fine. you can't, of course, of course. But like, 
at the end of it is still like you cannot seriously be trying to tell me that like well the rest of the team was defending well no way exactly like you can't single him out when the rest of the team is defending like this right um the other thing i would say is i think I, i i will say this you're right that they were dominant in the second quarter um, I get a little frustrated. Maybe a, this could be like a therapy session for you and me. Help me with this. I get frustrated when like the Nugget starters play badly in a period and everyone just wants to talk about the bench. When I'm like, but if your starters play badly, this team's going to lose. Like that's how they're yeah. built. I mean, and I, I I think that it is you go to the well a lot with your, with your takes. I mean, when you look at the numbers, Gordon plus 13, Jokic plus 14, KCP plus 15, you go to the bench, Jeff Green minus 15, Reggie Jackson minus 20, Black Luchancher minus 12. I think in this game it was fair. That first that first in of the bench was so bad that it completely – I mean, Denver got up. They had a lead. They came back – the starters came back in. They were down 10 or down 9, I think. So to me, it is a big part of what happened in this game. But you're right that it can be. It wasn't the only thing. Like I just, for me, it's like, well, yeah, they were winning at the half because the starters play well, and then the third period came and they did not play well, and then they were losing. The starters had one bad stint, is what really comes down to. But they had three good ones. Yeah, and I don't know if it's fair for me to say that they have to be good in all four. Like that's a fair question, right? Is like, and it, the bench wasn't only good in one, and that one was when Jokic came in, which is again, yeah. what, when we talk about what is the bench and what is not. Jokic off the court is the bench. Yeah, Jokic blended with some starters, some bench is really still just Jokic. Who's the biggest? We're running late on this segment, but like, who's the biggest floor raiser for this team when Jokic is not on the floor? Like, who makes yeah. them the best? It's a really good question, and this is this is the subtext of what I think is really going on with the Nuggets this season. Is that that should be Murray full stop? It should be the easiest question, but it just has not in any way, shape, or form been yeah. at this year. I, but we haven't seen a lot of uh, looks, you know, of anyone else. Yeah, that's a good question. I honestly don't feel comfortable giving an answer to that because I, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. Is, and is it I think Gordon? I wonder if this is a lot of we did they settled on. Well, Murray's going to play with the bench because he can raise them up, and that'll give him the like it'll all work out because then he can like, you know, run pick and roll and get more like these kind of minutes and play a little faster and all these. And instead, it's just like honestly, I, just, I think it's killing Murray because it's. You know, it's tough to get good shots in there. And it's, I don't know. I, I've that's kind a, of that's been that's on this for a while that they need to handcuff Murray with the Jokic. That's such a, yeah, so it's crazy to think, but might, it might be true, actually. Uh, I I have no idea how to answer that question. That's, that's a really good question and probably an illuminating one. Okay. Coming up next, I have some thoughts on adversity that I want to get to. And we'll take a look at this game tonight versus the Toronto Raptors. Right now, I need to tell you about. FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season's here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Tournament's here. Furman. Let's go Furman. Very high on Furman. Uh, I'm also high on Grand Canyon. It's not going to work out as well for me, but I feel very good about my bracket, which will be in pieces by the end of the day on Thursday. Plus, FanDuel will even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. 
Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for joining us, making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us, making this your first listen. Uh, I appreciate you guys in the comment section hanging out with us. All right, I have a, a thing that's been rattling around my brain, Adam, and I want to kind of get to it. Um, the Nuggets have faced a little bit of adversity early this season. They had uh, a long, they had an extended road trip to start the season, and that was a, a, a thing that they had to get through. They faced some adversity early on, tried to deal with a grueling NBA schedule to start the season. They faced weak opponents on a road-heavy schedule. And they got through that, and they got home, and they made it out with like a decent record but we were pretty concerned and then they've got themselves together. And for two months, three months, really they dominated and pretty much the sport of basketball. Um, they were the best team in the league for three months. And now we're here and it's a three game losing streak, just like it was going into the Dallas game where they turned their season around. Um, and this is their, for me, this is their first real moment of adversity as the contender that they've become. They had to prove that they were a contender. They had to become that contender and they reached it. And now they're facing their their first real adversity and how they respond to this is really key. And can I just say how many teams, I mean, we saw this with the Phoenix suns and the Boston Celtics over the last two years. Oftentimes there's learning curves, even at the top of this, that, you know, you go through a playoffs and you have a big win and then you have a disappointing loss and then, you know, whatever. And Denver being robbed of that the last two years, this is part of what they were robbed of was this experience of dealing with it. I mean, if Denver would have made it to the Western Conference Finals one of the last two years and lost in the first round one of the last two years, you just you get broader context for how this things these things can unfold. Denver doesn't have any of that to draw from. And so I do think that this is I, I think this is one of the stories we didn't talk about in segment one and two, but I do think that this is a team that is realizing, oh yeah, this is the pressure that starts now and probably doesn't end until we're out of the playoffs, either as winners or losers. Um, I agree with you that there's like this is part of the problem when you gear up for one run, right? You gear up for one run, which means if you come short, it's a catastrophic failure. Counts and even three. then, like this, this playoffs counts for three. Yeah, it validates or invalidates the last three years. Yeah, yeah. And that's an immense amount of pressure to be on. It doesn't feel like the window is open. And it is. Like the roster's not going the anywhere. They have these guys. Right? You don't um, think it feels like the window's open? Do what? It doesn't feel like their window is open? Well, all I mean is if they fail this year, if they don't make the finals, there's there's just going to have to be like, there will have to be changes commiserate with the pressure, with the expectation. You know, I think I think it's the earlier you or the more uh, definitively you lose, the more those changes will come. I don't necessarily think that it means they'll be sweeping changes. If Denver lost in the Western Conference Finals game seven by one point at the buzzer. I don't think there'll be a sweeping changes. If they lose in the second round of the Phoenix Suns in five games, then I do think you look at that and go, yeah, we're not that close. We need to make big changes. Um, now is when I will return to this. And you, you kind of wanted to talk about the whole March thing. You go through this losing stretch and it will never feel okay. Like they should have beaten the Bulls. They should have beaten the Nets. They should have beaten the Spurs. They lost three games they should have won because they're the best team in basketball. There are like four teams they should lose to and they're right. all on the road, right? Yeah. Um. The one that taught me this, this is the anecdotal one that I go back to is in 2016 
the Thunder had this stretch from after the All-Star break through the middle of March, and I mean, everybody was just like on them for losing. It was like, Billy Donovan can't coach. He's an awful coach. Fire Billy Donovan. KD can't get it done. Russ is a joke. This roster is awful. What did they think? This blah, 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 blah. They stabilized, got it together, finished out the, the the season strong. They beat the San Antonio Spurs to end Tim Duncan's career in one of the best series I've ever covered. And they had the Warriors down 3-1. Couldn't get it done because Clay Thompson went thermonuclear in game six. To the best team of all time. It took a 3-1 comeback to come back on OKC. Now, you don't want that to be the, the outcome, right? But my point is, the Boston Celtics lost the Houston Rockets last night. They're still contenders. And I see comments from like Nemestra, who was, again, we got some, we got to get more positive folks in the, in the more positivity. And Adam, I don't think this team can win it all as constructed is what Clemenestra says. This team can win it all. I'm telling you, like I've watched, I've watched basketball for a long time. This team's good enough. They may not be. Like, I can't tell you they're going to win at all. I can't tell you that they're not. Like, they have a chance, which is all you can really hope for in sports, is to have a chance for things to line up to go right and for you to be able to make the shots and get the stops and do the things that you need to do. But this team is still really damn good. Um, We never got to this. I do want to ask this question. Bench plays less in the playoffs. We know that for sure. But I am now at the point of where I'm like, Hey, these are like the margin things. And as long as they're okay, well, they're not, right? It's like minus 20. You can't survive. If you prorate that even to like four minutes to start the second quarter, that's still enough. If you're a minus 10 in the fourth, in the second and third, or in the, sorry, in the second and fourth quarters to start, that's enough to tilt the series. So, like, I am kind of at the point of like, you gotta, I don't know what they gotta do, but they gotta figure something out with the bench. Because this will cost them as much as I believe that benches are benches are more important from injury replacement in the playoffs than they are from playing as a unit. This can't hold. They can't. Does Christian Brown play tonight? Do I like regular rotation? Does Christian Brown? Is that a question? Yes, because I think Jamal's out. (laughs) Oh, crap. Well, it's in Toronto. I mean, this will be an interesting one with Jamal because I think this is a game he would love to play. He's on the road trip. Sometimes you look and see like he's on the road trip, so he'll be here. But um, if he doesn't play tonight, I'd be a little concerned. Okay, I got I got to push back on this. Is Christian Brown the fix all? No, I've said Murray. If Murray doesn't play tonight, I'd be a little concerned because this is Toronto. It's his homecoming. He only gets to play there once a year. Boy, I, I know it's like, I know it's tough, but I'm just saying I think if he was 50-50, he goes tonight. If he was 40-60, he goes tonight. I'd be more concerned if he did play. <laughs> well, that means you really think he's bad. Like, Which, he I had mean, to exit the game with soreness. Yeah. He was a disaster. Like it's you can't be like, yeah, no, we're gonna make sure, we're gonna make sure that we got everybody in good position and then be like, but it's an emotional homecoming game. I'm like, it isn't about you saying this. You say this in the jokey guy voice. It's a big deal to go play in front of your family. You only get to do it once a year. But it's what you do get to do it next year. It's Canada. Canada's <laughs> not going anywhere. Canada's just, not going anywhere. I'm just saying it's a big deal. And I think he would I love agree. to play. I agree. It's a big deal. Can. It sure is. Uh, Random says, let's see if Matt has that same energy after the loss tonight. Again, great energy there, Random. Uh, I will just say, I think they lose this game. Look, 
Toronto, this is like the ultimate motivation spot. You're at home after a crappy road trip. You lost a bunch of these games, and you got you feel that you got screwed by Scott Foster in that last matchup. You see who's on the call tonight? You you see who's the ref tonight? The lead of official? Who? Tony Brothers, baby. Yeah, (laughs) this is definitely like it's. I said it's probably going to be four. I've been on this, man, but that doesn't change. Like they can lose four in a row and still be contenders. It's not like, oh, well, they lost a fourth one. That's it. They're out. Like, I actually think the proper context for these three-game losing streak is completely lost focus in the Chicago game. Yep. Completely lost focus in the San Antonio game. I think Jokic regained the focus. Nobody else did. I agree. And then in this one, it was like, all right, we got to stop the bleeding, and they came up just short. So, uh, (laughs) like, in that context, I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but two of those losses to me are just like we've secured the one seed and lost focus games. Yeah, I agree with that. You got anything else before we get out of here? Do you think they win tonight? Um, yes, I, I think they do. And I think they do because the pressure, I think, has really got to them over the last week. But I do think there's always a point where you kind of take a deep breath and say, like, we need to prove this to ourselves. We need to get road wins. We need to beat good teams. We need a feel-good win. Um, so Toronto will be motivated. I think Denver's also going to be motivated tonight. And I'm with you. I'm not sure if Murray plays or not. But I think either way, Tonight, Michael Malone has a lot of very interesting decisions to make. And uh, go ahead. I want to get this one before we get out of here. Um, I will I, 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 the, talk about Malone's inability to drop plays late in games. I mean, it's obviously incendiarily phrased. I will say this. In the, last, the second to last play, he had KCP inbound the ball and Bruce Brown spacing. And I don't know why. Is KCP a better inbound thrower than Bruce Brown? Taller? But not by a meaningful amount. Can can relocate off of the throw in for for a but there wasn't even enough time for that. I mean, he throws it in. You have Michael. He brought Michael Porter back into space on one corner, and he had Bruce Brown in the other. And when you threw to Jokic, KCP's guy just doubled Jokic, and Bruce Brown's guy stunted so far off of him that you know, daring him to throw it to Bruce in the corner. So I just that it's not a big deal, but it's one where I kind of looked at and go, hmm, that was a little bit strange. Do you think Malone's bad at inbounds, late game inbound plays? Um, no, I haven't thought about it. Me Meaning neither. I, I mean, think you would think about it. That's the thing you would think about if it's bad and not if it's good. Yeah. Not if it's good. Then it's like, oh man, what a shot. So, but you know, they miss one. So everyone's has their feelings. I have a, uh, it happens constantly. Not true. Kyle, they're one of the best clutch teams in the league. Sorry. You're just wrong here. Have a good day, everybody. Hope you guys have yourselves a great week. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. We'll recap the Raptors win or loss. It'll be a ride no matter what. Make sure to follow Adam over at DMVR. You can catch him on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets. So I got some.